So our brains are effectively prediction machines. We often think of them as being reactive. You know, that something happens in the environment, say, and we react to it. And we kind of are reacting to that data, of course, all the time. But what the brain's really doing is it's using that data in order to try and predict what's going to happen next. So it's always making those guesses. It's always making those predictions in order to serve you best in the next few unknown moments. And it's an important concept to understand because if the brain only reacted and didn't predict it causes all sorts of problems. So, for example, if I'm sat in a chair and my legs tense up in a particular way that the brain recognises as this feels like how it feels when he chooses to stand up, it will make a prediction that that information that it's just got about my legs tensing up in that very particular way it makes a prediction that I'm about to stand up. And so what the brain then does is it then starts regulating all sorts of processes in my body to ensure that by the time that I stand up, I'm able to. So if it was just simply a reactive thing, then I would stand up and I'd probably faint. Well, I would faint because the brain wouldn't have made all those kind of physiological changes within me that enables me to go from a seating position to a standing position and be able to actually maintain my stability as a result. So the brain is constantly asking, what is this like? It's taking data from various places, taking information, it's trying to filter it in order to be more successful as a prediction. What is this like? And so when I tense my legs in that way, the brain responds, ah, this is like him standing up. And so in advance, it changes all stuff about my body so that by the time that I have stood up, it's fine. So it doesn't react completely. It just takes in data and then it predicts on the basis of that data. Now, there are three different things. There are three different kinds of data that the brain takes in, in order to make its predictions. The first one is from the external world. So let's say somebody, I notice somebody's face change towards me in such a way that my brain predicts that I'm about to come under attack. Just like when I stood up, the brain is going to start changing things inside my body to ensure that I'm going to be best able to deal with that attack. It'll increase my heart rate. It'll send blood to my muscles. It'll get me ready to either fight the aggressor that it's predicting or to run away. And of course, this is a good thing because if it's simply reacted, if it's simply waited for you to be hit, then that's going to be too late, isn't it? So it predicts a potential attack and then it changes my body. So that's the first kind of information, stuff from the external world. The second kind of information that the brain is constantly receiving and, and processing in order to make predictions is what, what's going on inside my body. What are the feelings going on inside my body 
So that example earlier about when my muscles started to tense in a certain way, that sent my brain a cue that I was about to stand up and it was able to to then make the changes that it needed to make to enable me to do that. So the stuff going on inside my body is another important form of information that the brain has. When I eat, for instance, as I start chewing something, the brain says, ah, this feels like he's about to swallow food. And so all these different processes will happen in my body to enable me to digest that food once it lands in my tummy. So that's the second type. We've got the external stuff and we've got the internal stuff. Information that it's actually garnering from our own bodies. Now, the third one is an interesting one because the third kind of information is what we imagine. And what we imagine has an impact as well. So if I imagine something scary, then my brain is actually going to prepare my body for the scare in exactly the same way as it did in my first example when it noticed somebody's face changing aggressively towards me. So if I imagine something scary, then that's what my body will do. It'll take that information and say, ah, this feels like something scary. I best prepare. I best prepare Al to ensure that he can run away or fight. But if I imagine something more pleasant, then it doesn't respond in that way at all. It doesn't create that anxiety for me because my mind is on something more pleasant. And so the imagination actually has a huge role to play in terms of information. And as far as the body is concerned, this is real. It finds it very, very difficult, the brain, to distinguish between any other kind of information and imaginal information. So the way that we imagine actually has an impact. Now, if somebody's not talking to you, you could, I don't know, maybe they come in in the morning and they say hello, or rather you say hello to them, I mean, and and, and they don't say hello back. You could imagine that they don't like you, which will get a certain set of anxious responses. Or you might imagine, oh, they might have had a hard day this morning, or you might imagine that they're in a rush or that they're busy, nothing to do with you at all. You might imagine that they didn't properly hear your hello as they bustled on past. And what we imagine, where we have that gap of information, is going to affect how we feel inside of ourselves. And the reason why I mention imagination, and I've lingered on that one, is it's actually the piece of information that we have the most control over. External events, obviously, are outside of our control. We can influence them sometimes, but they're not within our full control. We have some influence over what goes on in our body, often by breathing techniques. We can kind of trick the body into into, uh, making it feel as though the threat has gone away. We can use breathing in order to do that. But our imaginations 
That's where we have full control over what we imagine. And so I wanted to share that with you in terms of how the brain works and what it does in order to predict that it's a prediction machine that takes in the information available to it and then responds accordingly. Because sometimes that response is to create very jittery, anxious feelings in our body. Because it feels that that's the most appropriate response to the information that has been received. If it sees a saber-toothed tiger, for instance, just walking down your street, then that would be a good response, wouldn't it, really? For it to send all of those bodily changes to enable you to run away quicker. But sometimes it's imagination. Sometimes we're kind of scaring ourselves. And so if you imagine that part of us that can easily get scared, almost imagine as a, I don't know, like an animal that you're looking after. Then our role really is to not scare that little animal. Our role is to use our imagination in such a way that we soothe it rather than frighten it. And the powerful thing about our imagination, as I've said, is that that's the one of the three different types of data, the three different types of information that the brain takes in that is most in our control. So what I'm going to invite you to do is to pay attention to your imagination. Pay some attention to whether you're scaring yourself or whether you're soothing yourself. Because whatever you choose to imagine and then hang on to, is actually going to have an impact on the feelings that come up inside your body. Because if you scare yourself, your body will take that scary information that will create some anxiety for you. So it can be helpful just to track your imagination. What is it you're imagining? When a situation comes up, Where there's a little bit of a knowledge gap, like why did that person not say hello this morning when I said hello to them? In that knowledge gap, have a little check what your imagination conjures. And conjures is a good word because it is a creation. And what else could you imagine could be the reason instead? So if you like that idea... Feel free to share this episode with your friends. If you'd like to work with me directly, I'm Alan Parry. I'm at the Liverpool Psychotherapy Practice, which is liverpoolpsychotherapy.co.uk. And thanks for listening. And I'll chat to you again tomorrow.